Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Light Up Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Gailey Dutton. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. So this week, we are going to be talking about protein. We are officially on part three of macronutrient misconceptions. So in today's episode, we are going to dive into some misconceptions about protein, some myths about it, and we are going to break it down and explain why these are myths and why this is not the truth, why this is not accurate. We're also going to get into the general recommendations for health based on reliable, credible sources. And then I'm even going to throw in some practical meal ideas and ways to meet these requirements so that we can step into our healthiest and our happiest lives. So let's jump right in. Obviously, protein is a big deal. I think that protein out of all the macronutrients is probably the most popular and it usually is liked the most out of carbs and fat and protein. Everyone seems to love protein. We know that it builds our muscles. We know that it's good to have after we train. We know that protein is really um, satiating. It makes us feel full. And so we love it. We love protein. And I think that there's the least amount of fear surrounding protein. However, I think that the general population does lack in protein intake. So before we jump into some of the misconceptions, I want to just talk about the differences between different types of protein. So we have complete and incomplete protein sources. What that means to make it simple is that complete proteins contain all of the essential amino acids, whereas incomplete proteins are missing at least one or more of those essential amino acids. So acids. So examples of complete proteins are going to be typically animal products. So poultry, dairy, meat, eggs, seafood, those are all complete proteins. There are a few plant sources for complete proteins, and that would be soy, pistachios, and quinoa are actually considered plant sources of complete proteins, meaning that they contain all those amino acids. For incomplete proteins, this means that they're missing something. They're missing that full profile of amino acids. These are usually plant sources. Plant sources typically are incomplete. These would be our pulses like beans. They would include nuts, seeds, whole grains. They have some components, but not all of the essential amino acids needed. So that's kind of the general gist of complete versus incomplete. And it's really important to note that when we say essential amino acids, it means that our body cannot produce this on its own and we must obtain it from our diet. So that means that these are necessary for our body to function well and function properly. Now, when I talk about complete versus incomplete, I think that our brain kind of automatically jumps to this conclusion that maybe incomplete is inferior, and that's not the truth. We really need a variety of both complete and incomplete proteins. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions surrounding protein is that we can and we maybe should obtain all of our protein from supplements. I know that especially in the fitness realm, protein powders and those kinds of supplements are really popular. You know, we've got BCAAs, whey, casein, soy proteins, all kinds. We've got plant-based, regular, and that's a whole other discussion. But I want to point out that almost always food sources are going to be recommended and better than a supplement, no matter what, no matter how good the supplement is. If you can get your protein 
recommendations and meet those recommendations through food sources, that's usually better. Um, That's more natural. It's better for your body. However, supplements are 100% beneficial. I like to supplement because I honestly have a hard time meeting my protein requirements solely through food sometimes because it's a lot of food. So I try and meet as much as I can through whole food sources and then I, I supplement, hence the name, when needed. I think that supplements are specifically going to be beneficial for our athletes um, and people who are just not meeting those protein requirements through food alone. To kind of jump from this topic of protein powders, things like that, if you guys know anything about me, you know that I love a good post-workout smoothie. I absolutely love them. I think I like them because they're just easier on my stomach, but there's really evidence behind this. Once you're done training, it's actually shown that liquids, which I think we can all kind of infer, they actually are going to digest much faster than solid protein. So it's not that having chicken after a workout or a more solid food post-training is not beneficial. It's just that liquids are going to be digested quicker and absorbed quicker. Liquid forms of protein, um, they're going to produce, they produce high plasma amino acid profiles faster than solid food. So that's kind of like the more scientific way of looking at it, but it's just important to remember. Another thing that I want to note here is, I know I mentioned before that there's so many types of protein powders. There's so many types of protein um, out there. I mean, I think there's a lot of supplements and it's important to be aware that supplements do not need to be approved always. So I would highly recommend making sure that it has been third party verified before you start using any supplement or any protein powder because it doesn't have to get um, any kind of like approval. And so it's really important to see if it's gotten certifications, if it's been approved by certain boards. And that's a whole other topic and discussion we can get into. But it's good to be aware of that because there can be ingredients in the supplement that you're taking that are not being listed. So it's really critical that you pay attention to the brands, do your research before taking any supplements. There are a lot of protein supplements out there. We've got BCAAs, whey, casein, like I mentioned before. And I want to say here that each one of those is going to serve a different purpose. And I wouldn't say that one is particularly superior to another. I think that it's beneficial maybe to consume them in a diverse way. So I think I kind of want to transition. We've identified the differences between different types of protein. We've talked about, you know, liquid versus solid types of protein. We've talked a little bit about supplements. And before we finish off today's quick episode on protein, I want to leave you with basic general recommendations if you're not familiar with what they are already, and then some practical ideas for what this could look like in an actual meal. Because we can talk about protein generally all we want, but I think that what's going to be the most beneficial for you, especially if you're someone who's seeking to eat more intentionally and with more awareness of what you're eating and why you're eating it, it's going to be helpful to know what foods actually will line up with this. So protein recommendations for athletes specifically. And when I say athletes, I mean, obviously athletes, but if you are being, if you're more, if you're pretty active, you know, you're working out four times a week, three to four times a week, you're, you're lifting weights or you're running, whatever it is, 15 to 35% of your total caloric intake should come from protein. For the general population, it's recommended that 1.2 to 2 grams per kilogram of your body weight should be consumed in protein. And then for athletes, it could be two grams 
or more. The general population, so not athletes, it's recommended that the general population just for basic health, you need to be consuming at least 10 to 35% of your total calories needs to come from protein for just general health and well-being. And then the RDA recommends for the general population, it's only 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight for the general population. And that's just like bare minimum. I don't, I think that it should definitely be higher, but that's just like the baseline. I would say that almost for anyone, it should be around one to two grams per kilogram of body weight. Obviously, we know that our athletes need more protein since they're going to have that higher muscle breakdown than the general population and they're going to need higher amounts of protein to stimulate muscle protein synthesis and to grow and develop their muscles. So what does this look like and you know how can we implement this in an actual diet? I would say that one thing I need to address before actually we dive into that is another misconception that I've seen happen often is people try and meet these requirements throughout like one or two meals or even one meal. And that is not the most beneficial and and here's why. When you're eating a meal and you've got a certain amount of protein in it, your body can actually absorb an optimal amount of protein. There's still studies and there's still research going on to determine exactly how much your body can utilize in one sitting, how much protein can actually be absorbed in one sitting, so between one to two hours. However, what we do know is that for optimal absorption, 20 to 30 grams is like the max per meal. So if you're sitting down and you're having like 50 grams of chicken in one sitting, it's not that it, it it's not beneficial, but I wouldn't say that all of that is going towards muscle protein synthesis. So what does 20 to 30 grams per meal look like? That could mean three to four ounces of chicken. That could be three eggs. That could be a can of tuna, a cup of Greek yogurt, a cup of beans. It could be a mixture of like oats and nuts and soy to kind of all come together to meet that requirement. So those are some practical examples of what that might look like. So what happens when we have an insufficient intake, when we are not consuming enough protein? Now, there's a lot that can happen when we don't eat enough protein. Obviously, number one, we're going to have a huge decrease in muscle protein synthesis. We're going to have a huge decrease in the ability for our body to turn to muscle and to develop in that way. We also see an increase in injury and illness risk, and that makes sense because if we're not building muscle then we're not going to be able to protect our bones as much. We're not going to be as agile, as strong, which means that we might be more susceptible to injury, to breaking bones, things like that. When we don't eat enough protein, obviously we're going to see weight loss. And for a lot of people, especially our athletes, we're going to see a decrease in performance altogether. If we have an excess intake, if we're consuming a lot of protein or too much protein, then similar to all of our other macronutrients, it means that we're going to have a decrease in carbohydrates, a decrease in fats. And so we might not be meeting those other requirements that we need if we don't have a healthy balance of protein in our diet. If we're consuming a lot of protein, we might see weight gain. We might see decreased sports performance, dehydration, So it's important to mention here, dehydration. This one's interesting. I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the weightlifters love having their giant gallon water bottles. And it's because when you're eating a ton of protein, it's really easy to get dehydrated a lot faster. So making sure that you're drinking enough water throughout the day is really, really critical. 
What about timing? Before you work out, protein is not as necessary. During, it's also not really necessary unless you're training for like over three hours, then yeah, you can have some protein. The most important time to consume protein is going to be within 30 to 90 minutes after your workout. And I want to emphasize here that it is important to have this with a carbohydrate source or else the protein you're consuming, if it's if you're only consuming protein, it will be used as energy and it won't be used for muscle protein synthesis as readily than if you are to consume protein with carbohydrates. The recommendation is like, it's like a four to one ratio. And this is gonna spare that protein and utilize it for synthesis. Use it to enhance that protein synthesis rather than using it for energy. That's what the carbs are there for. So what are some meals? What are some ideas? I mean, I love protein. There's so many ways to get protein. You could do protein smoothies and shakes, but I want to focus on more whole food options. I love eggs, omelets with tons of veggies. That's a good source of protein. You could even have some bacon or ham on the side of that. Anything with obviously chicken or salmon, any kind of bowl. I love any bowl of any sort. I love my salmon bowls. I mentioned that in a previous episode. Those are my favorite. You could do a tofu scramble if you're vegan. You could do some tofu with mushrooms, onion, peppers, all that good stuff. You could have a pot roast. There are so many options when it comes to protein. It's my favorite. You can also do like a strawberry poppy seed chicken salad or hummus with a pita. There's a lot of options when it comes to protein. Greek yogurt, berries and granola, cinnamon, maybe even a little bit of honey on that. It's super good and a great source of protein as well. I hope that you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I'm really grateful that we were able to do this series and just bring some truth and bring some awareness to the needs surrounding protein, surrounding carbs and fat. I hope that you learned something today, that something was beneficial that you can add into your day-to-day routine. We're here to light up your life and bring awareness and shine light on the areas that maybe we need growth and development in. I hope that you guys have an amazing rest of your week, that you're consuming all the protein that you need, and I will catch you guys next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye, guys.